Hi, Future Jess here. I wanted to announce that our Patreon is up and live. We appreciate you all so much for the support that you've shown us. If you choose to also support us through Patreon, we can guarantee that everything we receive will go back toward the show. You can find us by going to patreon.com forward slash dungeons dopamine, or you can find the link on any of our social medias. Thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> Dungeons and dopamine. Ta-da! Hi. This is Dungeons and Dopamine. I'm Jess. And I'm Bree. Hi. Hello. You have made it, or you have stumbled upon episode 17. I know the numbers get bigger every week because that's what they're (laughs) supposed to do, but I don't know why 17 feels like a big number. It's momentous. Momentous. We were just talking about the Starfall Ball. Yes. The Starfall Ball is something in the Sarah Moss books, the Equitar series. I don't want to go like too deep into it because I don't want to spoiler alert again. Mm-hmm. Unless you don't mind spoilers. True. Because I don't mind spoilers sometimes. I usually don't. Sometimes I even look them up because sometimes the <laughs> anxiety and stress of oh, not yes. knowing mm-hmm. really bothers me. Yeah. And takes the enjoyment out of it. Yeah. If I'm really worried about a character, if I'm really worried about how it ends, I will definitely read ahead and make sure. Or a TV show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I really want a certain outcome. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll read spoilers. I Yeah, I do a lot of that. I'm Actually, glad now that you mention it. Yeah. I read a lot. Yeah. Especially sure if it's a show thing. that comes out weekly, mm-hmm. you know, like it used to when we were yeah. children, but now they're doing that again for some yeah. reason. Yeah. If they don't just release it all at once, I w- w- Zach and I both wait until the whole season is out before we watch it, but I definitely read along each week to hear the spoilers. And that's okay, because anxiety and I aren't friends anymore, so... Exactly. And if you can alleviate and actually enjoy something that you want to enjoy but couldn't because of anxiety... That's cool. And it's probably why I can get through shows like Game of Thrones because I read ahead for the spoilers, so I wasn't so anxious during the shows. Because I I primarily watch comedy now. I was really mad at you (laughs) for not keeping up with Rings of Power. I was paying you back for not finishing the second Crescent City book. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Oh my gosh, right? You just sit on that for so long. So, yes. How dare you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Dopamine. We have some. We have all of it. And it doesn't even involve a panda climbing up a tree. (laughs) That was some great dopamine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Now I hope you think of that whenever you think of pandas. Every time. I'm gonna ruin everyone's mental imagery until the world follows my own. I like this plan. This is like the worst evil genius plan. It's like the, um, what's the guy with the big head? The blue guy. Megamind? Megamind. It's like a Megamind plan. So my kid starts glitter cults and I make everyone have the same imagery in their head as my bitch. 
is happy, right. giggly imagery. Right. You're just sending funny pictures into people's brains. <laughs> My last, so if you would have asked me before that what I thought of when I thought of pandas, it's the, um, tic, it's a TikTok video or of a social media video of the panda that has the baby next to it and the baby <laughs> sneezes and the, and the giant, the panda like freaks out like it didn't even know there was a baby there. <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> and that's how I feel as a mother sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we were recording one time. I, I might have the blooper as like extra content, but Ryan and Carly came in the house and they were like Ryan instructed her, you go in quietly, you don't say anything until you're told you can. Because we're recording. Mm-hmm. So I look past you where we were sitting. <laughs> there was just a little dark haired girl standing. <laughs> Several feet away from you. In silence. In silence. In, in dark. Yeah. yeah. No part of my house is dark unless you're lit. It's lit up, and the only reason it's lit up is if you're over there. <laughs> Not Carly. She does have a slight resemblance to the girl from Seriously. The Ring, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the With the dark. long hair yeah. and the standing in corners. <laughs> <laughs> so the white nightgown doesn't help. No. But you should stop dressing her. <laughs> it's so cute. Maybe brush her hair once yeah. in a while, too. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me how to live her life. <laughs> Side note, Carly has great hair. Jessica does take care of it. It does not look like the girl from the ring. Thank you. She also makes her wash it so it's I not do. greasy or hanging in her face. So we've been trying out a new studio. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm using the word studio super loosely. It's a, it's my upstairs and it, it will eventually be partially bathroom. finished. <laughs> There's drywall. <laughs> this wall behind us is going to be gone soon, but then it'll be rebuilt at the same exact place. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. so... When this is done, we will not be recording in here. Because we will have a better recording area. We will. Just down the hall. It'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. And... And we have... I have a new microphone. Woohoo! So I sound better. And you can hear me, probably. <laughs> and we're upstairs, so People the dogs aren't barking. Yeah. And as much as I'm watching my kid make bad decisions and be crazy. I can't hear him do those things. <laughs> Which is much less. And much I'm less sure stressful. Ryan is on top of this. So. Oh, sure. <clears throat> <laughs> no one has died yet today. No one's Knock dead. On wood. That we know of. I'm yeah. sure someone has died today. It's just a fact of life. See, there we go again telling the future. <laughs> <laughs> and again. And again. <laughs> and again. <laughs> We're going to so. change the name to Dungeons and Premonitions. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you say it like that. <laughs> Premonitions. <laughs> I, I think we should on Premonitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so our slogan. We have a slogan. Mm-hmm. All doped up. I don't think we've remembered to say it, like... For the last six episodes. <laughs> or ever. Maybe in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Where I offered to put dopamine anywhere you needed it. <laughs> into your heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or your brain. Yep. Or anywhere you need it. Anywhere you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Which is not only suggestive, 
but also life threatening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll force you to enjoy the dopamine. You will ingest this dopamine and you will like it. <laughs> we also get high on helping. Yes. That's a good tagline. Yeah. There Question was, the narrative, yep. which seems to be our favorite thing to say lately. Mm-hmm. I say look all the time. <laughs> I say so and absolutely. <laughs> I say absolutely as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like our catchphrase. Yep. Absolutely. We've got a couple. And I was going to say something else and completely zoned, blanked out on it. So something sorry. about taglines, all doped up. Must be our junk food. helper's oh, highs. We are. Yeah. We're planning it. Going to... Go to a Comic-Con. Yeah. We are um, going to be in a Comic-Con. Yeah. Not go to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed, but in this particular instance, I am talking about the Muskegon Comic-Con. Whenever it happens, I can't remember. It's always right around St. Patrick's Day. Perfect. Okay. March 10th, March 13th-ish. I'm super excited about it. I've got all these ideas written down that I was going to talk to you about today, and we haven't, we don't think, and we just <laughs> do things, and I'll talk to you about them when we're done recording. Yeah. But it should be super cool, and everyone should come see us. Yes. And we can Plus, stickers. all the other amazing people. Yeah. Because I got some really cool stuff from this year's Comic-Con so at Muskegon. I got a Lord of the Rings <gasps> map that is, like, um, on metal. Let's oh. see if you can turn this mess around okay. and tell us about your dopamine this week. Is it something creepy? No. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> There's only slightly creepy elements to mine, right. actually. Right. So this... This is a... One time, one shot topic. Ooh. <laughs> I just raised the roof. <laughs> I'm Booker T. Um, <laughs> Obviously, we you look just like him. Cough <laughs> <laughs> laughed. I was just gonna cough and then I could have cut it. You made me laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now everyone's gonna know how I sound when I'm choking to death. <laughs> I can't remember his tagline or I'd say it right now, just so we would lose all control again. I think Raise the Roof was Raise like... Raise the Roof. So, no. anyway, we have a podcast called Dungeons and Dopamine. We do? You know, I know. What? Shock. <laughs> and we have done a lot of talking about dopamine. Mm-hmm. That's like the whole point. And we've talked once about how we play Dungeons and Dragons Mm -hmm. and how I've DM'd Dungeons and Dragons and how I've done my uh, my own like one shot I wrote a one shot for you guys we have never actually talked about Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons that is a good point (laughs) (laughs) we've even briefly discussed Dungeons (laughs) yes I don't even think we've ever talked about dragons uh, they're on oh, our, our watches. watches. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I'm wrong. You're right. So, that's what I'm going to talk about today. All right. So, Dungeons, Dungeons and, and Dragons. Dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was created in 1974. It's been around a long time. Uh, it was created by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Now, 
They created this as they were influenced heavily by miniature war games at the time. Okay. Things like Risk and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But they wanted to give it something more fantastical, which we all appreciate. Yeah. Because that's where we are today. Really what I need in my life is things that are more fantastical. Absolutely. That's what everybody needs. Mm Mm-hmm. So, if you have never played D&D... Dungeons and Dragons. It is a role-playing tabletop game. (laughs) It can be as simple or as wildly involved as you desire. It is outcome-based, run by a DM or a dungeon master, which is not supposed to sound dirty. <laughs> Depends on the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know. <laughs> we don't king shame. We've been through exactly. this before. So you use a set of dice that goes from a D4, which means it has one through four on it, all the way up to a D20, which means it has one through 20 on it. The others include like a D6, which is your Monopoly die, or a D12, or there's all sorts in between there. And you just roll throughout the game to decide how well your character performs. You can decide your character is going to shoot a gun, but then you must roll to see if not only do you manage to hit the person you're shooting at, but you roll to make sure, or to figure out what damage you've done. I know you understand this, because you have, in fact, done this. (laughs) I have played this game. You have. There is a really nice basic set of rules that have been put in place but a good DM will base them on the players that they have at their table it is a fantastic way to tell a story as a group and to feel like you're a part of something really fun Um, I personally love the role play aspect of it I wear crown and ears (laughs) and I'm all in with the goofy ridiculousness of it Um, surprisingly Zach came out of the gate and is so good at this game that he sometimes derails my thoughts as a DM because he pulls out something so inventive and so good that I'm like, yeah, that's better than what I wrote. <laughs> Let's just go with that. He's And, and it shocked completely me. Completely unexpected. So yeah, I was also surprised with his off-the-cuff things that he made. It's because it's not like we had a week to prepare. Right. And he knew what was going to happen. He just came out with it. Just rolled. It comes off of the top of his head. Mm -hmm. And it's so creative. And I have had to like DM him back sort of from creating his own rules and stuff like that. But I can even appreciate that. Because it shows that he's excited about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Which is more than I can say for some people that that play the game. There mm-hmm. are some people who are just there to be there, or they don't want to be there, they're just being there for friends. And that's okay to be there. Like, that's great. But Zach is very clearly passionate about it, and I can really appreciate that as a DM trying to get people excited and get them to be creative. Well, and I love that you explained it as a way to create a story yes. with friends, because I was very intimidated by the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And then you started playing it and you kept telling me how amazing it was and how fun it is and how great it was. But I was so intimidated by the idea that I would have to be coming up with storylines off the top of my head or I would need to know all these different things about all these different characters and how they worked and what their stats were and, and how, to, how to do the game. 
and it's not. No. It's it is really just story time. Yes. It's like a better version of Mad Libs. Yes. It really <laughs> is. And depending on the group you're playing with, it can be what you were expecting. We are a very inexperienced group of players. We have some incredibly talented people playing with us who think the right way to keep the game going properly by the rules. And then we have some that just are there for the joy of creating a story. Mm -hmm. And that makes it a perfect game. That's my favorite part of it, is the role play and the storytelling. There are a great set of rules to keep you in line, or else it would just be like friends sitting around playing dolls, basically. Right. <laughs> well, I'm pretending to do this! Exactly. But I think a good DM feels out who's at their table. Um, a lot of times they'll sit down and make rules like some campaigns that are out there um, there are, I guess I'll say that, there are campaigns out there set up already that you can just follow, mm -hmm. kind of line by line, or use as an outline for your story. And some of them get really dark, or sexual. I was going to ask that yep. after my Freudian slip of the tongue a few <laughs> minutes ago, if there are, because I recently learned um, there's an online, like, giant world game multiplayer Baldur's Gate? I don't I don't even remember what it's called. Okay. <laughs> but it's one of like one of those World of Warcraft games. So it's a lot of different people from a lot of different areas all on one game. And there's like a whole sexual component to it where you can actually buy toys that work with the interface of the game. And so that it was it was a Reddit post and it was like a wow. wife trying to figure out if this counts as cheating that her right. husband is going into this game this like world building game and using these Toys. sexual interfaces with other people and it's not in this instance wow. you're not playing this game with an npc character you're playing with another person that may be across the world but it's still another human that your avatar mm. is interacting with mm -hmm. So I yeah. was wondering if there are D&D &D games that get into Absolutely. a little bit of a risque yes. storyline. And I'm sure there are lines that go past a little risque. I'm sure of it. I have never seen any of them or heard any of them, played any of them. Because uh, how weird would that be yes, in a group of friends? Yes, I don't think I'd ever <laughs> be interested in doing that. Right. Um, <laughs> we had, in our game previous to me DMing, we had... <laughs> A couple characters fall in love and they got married because she wanted more money <laughs> and it was played for f humor yeah and it was okay but there are tabletops especially when you're playing with more of a stranger group that they will take actually polls of like how what level of sexuality are you comfortable here what level of violence are you comfortable with okay um, if there's torture in this game, are you okay with that? Um, and warnings. That's wonderful. Yes. Like oh, yeah. trigger warnings, basically. Yes. Or trigger... Comfort levels. Yeah. So that you're not playing with a stranger and you get into yes. a situation that maybe speaks to some of their past trauma and is triggering for them and makes yes. it so they can't even continue. Right. That's great to hear. I love that. Because I, I never would have considered that. No. You know, violence... Right. Especially in a video game doesn't affect me. It's yeah. not a trigger for me, but I right. can see how it would be for some people. And especially in a game where you're, some people more than other 
others put themselves into their character. And there are some gross, scummy DMs or players who they do that old school <laughs> girls play video games or are you a girl? <gasps> girls don't do nerdy things. They're girls. And so they turn it into something gross. Right. That's disgusting. So that was a rant I didn't mean to take, but um <laughs> Welcome to Dungeons and Dopamine. Welcome, That's welcome. what we do here. <laughs> Hope you're feeling dopey. Um <laughs> That's a I terrible like that. tagline. <laughs> I like it. Leave you feeling a little dopey. Leave you a little dopey. So, guided by the DM and the general rules, these players will choose a race and a class. Races in this game are not just a color of their skin. It is species, even. There are bunny people and cat people and elephant people, as well as elves and fairies and dwarves and barbarians and giants and all of these really great characters with all these tieflings my apologies and then your class is say like my favorite breeze i don't know if it's favorite but 100 i should have realized druids are my favorite uh very nature based Mm -hmm. um there are rangers rangers um Ryan has created what we call a homebrew class, and he's actually an Illyrian warrior from the Sarah Moss books. But it's a great, really fun way to play a game with your friends. You can get as involved as you want. Um, my first character had a, a fire history. She was scared of it because it wiped out her people. And as we were playing the game, we ended up in a situation where a building was on fire, and we were fighting a lady in the building. It was a lady we hated. She almost killed me. And my character had to roll the dice to decide if I was still surviving in this area. Okay. But I had to roll it with what we call a disadvantage, which meant I had to roll twice and then take the lower number, because my character was so scared that she wasn't thinking straight. So I had to Except that lower number, number, which is great DM. Um, mm-hmm. That's a sign of a really good DM. But, so you do all this, and you can go as far in or as totally removed as you want and join once a month if you want to. It's, it's the beauty of the game, and it's up to your group and your DM. Some people are really serious about it, some people less so. There have been five different variations of D&D since it was created in the 70s. And we are currently on 5e. It's just the version of it, from what I've heard, the um, fighting and things like that were were much more complicated back in the earlier versions. Um, They do go through smaller versions within, so like think we're on 5. Think of it as like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 5.5.2. They make small changes. Right. Just like software does. Yeah, exactly. So, in 2004, D&D was the best-known and best-selling role-playing game in the United States. There were 20 million estimated people either having played or currently playing the game. Which is so great. That is so big. Uh, And they've sold more than $1 billion worth of equipment and books and paraphernalia for the game Mm -hmm. and i could see why i could spend a billion (laughs) dollars right the 
introduction of 5e, which is like I said what we're on now, <laughs> went increased the sales of the game 41%. In 2018, it went up 52 more percent. It's had almost a 100% increase since yeah. 2005. Was when huh. 5e was out. So, like, so, everybody we graduated high school with was like, you know what? We should play d and Nerddom is where it's at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've noticed, too, I've seen it around, even when I wasn't looking for it, I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw it everywhere. You're seeing cartoons, movies, comics, the magic card, Magic the Gathering cards collaborate with D&D. They're... Or opening stores. Yes. So not just game stores, but game stores that hold D&D nights. Yes. Yep. Or Magic the Gathering nights. Pokemon. Pokemon All nights. of that stuff. Um, and I think even walking into a game store for Pokemon cards, you're seeing all this D&D mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that helps. So D&D has not always been this like fun, exciting thing went through a whole emo phase in the 80s. (laughs) So did everything. Oh, the 80s. So people in the 80s had this very strange kick on Satanism and cults and um, hell and darkness and devilry. Not that that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Not right. that any of that is okay. But? But it was very exaggerated and extremely overblown by things like, they assume, things like the mass serial killings that happened in like the 70s with like uh, the the Dahmer family mm-hmm. and Sharon Tate. Um, the, the clown, uh, John Wayne Gacy. <clears throat> um, Charles Manson. I said that mm. already. Maybe, no. No, I said the Dahmer family yeah. and Sharon Tate. The Manson family and Sharon Tate <laughs> there you and go. the Dahmer family. Anyway, so. so that podcast that I mentioned a few episodes ago, um, You're Wrong About? Oh, yeah, yeah. They actually have a whole episode about the Satanic Panic, and it's very interesting. They go more of the narrative that maybe, potentially, like the government was using media to spread this panic trying to because we were just coming out of the 60s and 70s and like the free love um, anti-government movement so there are some theories out there that satanic panic came from media being influenced by the government to scare us all back into line um and then a lot of creepy movies happened near the late 70s like the mm-hmm. exorcism movies and stuff like so stephen king yes yep and so, we also had, like, Star Wars is from the 70s. Yep. And Star Trek, Star maybe? Like, there was a weird influx in the 70s of weirdness. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, fantasy and other worlds and escapism, maybe? Yeah, yeah fantasy and, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Escapism is a great way to think of it, because yeah. that's what I use it for. <laughs> right? Um, maybe I'll make that a com- uh, there topic you go. someday. Yeah. So... This led to some really weird things happening. Did you know that they actually... (laughs) There was a group of people that were certain that daycare centers were fronts for satanic rituals. Oh. They'd go so far 
so far. <laughs> They'd go so far as to dig around daycare centers because they were sure that there were bunkers and hidden tunnels underneath them that they brought the children in for satanic rituals. Yep. I'm <laughs> I wish you all could see her face right now. On what the children were saying. Right. Like, you got taken into a tunnel today, didn't you? And the kids were like, I played on the slide. <laughs> it was a tunnel slide. <laughs> okay, but wait. Like, oops. Okay, wait. Like, listen to this theory. I think I just figured everything out. When the in the eighties, we know because we were children of the eighties. They had those metal slides. Maybe the child went down the slide and went home and was like, "Mommy, I burned my leg on Hellfire." <laughs> because that's what <laughs> because it felt they like. were Hellfire. <laughs> <laughs> and. Then and they had like the old um, merry-go-rounds yes, yes. that are incredibly dangerous. You know, probably head injuries, and then a dream about something evil. And all of a sudden, daycares are practicing satanic rituals on exactly. our children. I <laughs> mean, it's a little late, but we just solved it. So <laughs> anyway, it's fair. So in the 1980s. The game came under assault from these same folks who thought that daycares were satanic ritual grounds. This is kind of... This makes me feel a little bit better about the world we live in today. Because at (laughs) least this isn't a new thing. (laughs) Right? Exactly. So this is kind of weird because it kind of starts in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Here we go. We're great. In 1979. Did the dog man start it? Yeah. <laughs> it all comes back together. <sighs> Full circle. Full circle. We're done. Podcast over. We've, We've solved, solved all of it. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to review the episode on narcissism. <laughs> Maybe sociopaths. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, 1979, there was this prodigy kid. He was 16 years old, and he he was very smart and went to Michigan State University. One day, he disappeared from Michigan State University. They hired a private investigator to try to find him. The investigator concluded that he, D&D was the cause of this boy's disappearance. In reality, he suffered from drug addiction and depression and a, like a list of things that a kid who was 16 in the 80s and too smart for his own good. Yeah. Really. In college already. Yeah. I mean. I just. Yeah. I want to see the logic that investigator came up with that would point towards D&D being the cause of it. Right. Like. Did he watch too much of the, you know, daycares being Satan centers? Right. <laughs> Did he. Roll a nat 20 and... In perception. Right. No, he rolled a nat 1, and this was the punishment. I mean, can't do that. No. (laughs) So, he would have these episodes where he would self-harm. And one day, they assume he went down into, um, I guess what, a steam tunnel? And he hurt himself and somehow ended up deceased in that tunnel. Now, this tunnel has this is called the steam tunnel incident it's apparently very popular and they've even written stories and stuff about it like it happens often or they talk about this one specific kid this 
Well, this specific incident. Okay. So this one kid, basically. I'm a liar. He did not die in the steam tunnel. Okay. I'm so sorry. He lived through that incident. They found him there. He died one year later, shooting himself in the head. Oh, well. So, <laughs> with, which was caused by D&D. Obviously. That's what it makes me want to do. It doesn't, like, get me out of the house and hang out with friends. And, and your kid happy and yeah. satisfied and good food, usually. Yeah. Nope. No. Spending time with friends so hard. Yeah. Hate it. Horrible. Hate it. Now, this continued on, the cycle of these rumors happening. In 1982, a student died after shooting himself in the chest. (laughs) There was an article in the Washington Post at the time that said how this kid had a lot of trouble fitting in. His mother attributed it, attributed it, attributed the... Attribute laugh during this part. (laughs) Attributed the death (laughs) to D and D. Nope, you gotta say it all again without laughing. (laughs) She attributed the death to him having D and (laughs) D. Yes. (laughs) I'm good. I'm I'm amazing. So the mom blamed blamed D and D for his yes. With seemingly no basis. She took this on a ride. She started a group of people who hated D&D. Bad. B-A-D-D. Bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's like the beginning of mad and sad for yes. later. But yes. not against Dungeons and Dragons against right. drunk driving. Driving, yeah, which yeah. I do agree with. <laughs> exactly, yes. So she, I guess, knew more about her son's life than some people do, and knew that his character had been cursed in the game by another player, which happened to be apparently the principal of his high school. So she went and told the huh. principal that his death was because of the curse he put on the character. I mean, if I stretch it, and I assume he has mental health issues, which sure. he probably did, if it, that's yep. the way he chose the end of his life, I could see how somebody maybe with schizophrenic tendencies sure. or maybe other mental issues that are causing him to believe a fantasy world, Yes, I could see that. But I wouldn't blame D&D for that. I would blame his mental issue. Yes. And and if that were the case, it would have happened with something eventually. Yes. So, she created Bad in 1983 and just gathered a group of people who all agreed with her ideology. She said, and I'm going to quote this, that D&D is a fancy role-playing game fantasy. A fantasy. <laughs> it's a fancy game. It's a fancy. We always have our pinkies out. She describes it as a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex, perversion, 
homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. She is playing a much more exciting game than I did. <laughs> right? <laughs> it she did not have many of those things. <laughs> there was no prostitution. Not or... yet. <laughs> You've only met one hag so far. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Wouldn't want to judge how the others exactly. are making their living. Exactly. We don't we don't sex work shame either, okay? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she I feel like she really went on a stretch there. I know. It's, uh, okay, anyway, I could really just dive into this. But she launched a medium media campaign against the gay through conservative mainstream media. She probably worked she, with Nancy Reagan. She went got, on 60 Minutes. And got the drugs banned, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she actually went on 60 Minutes opposite of Gary Geiger, who, or Gygax, sorry, Gygax, who was the creator. Um, and he said, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's never played this. She's pulling this out of nowhere, which is exactly what you <laughs> I and I thought. wrote these games. Those things don't exist. They're not here. In 1985, a pastor uh, said that this is a game that is an occult tool that opens up young people to influence or possession by demons. They but the Ouija board is exactly. totally cool, guys. Exactly. It's <laughs> Let's fine. sell that in stores. Just make sure you push goodbye when you're done. <laughs> so they took this and ran with it, and then the UK picked it up. And it was becoming this worldwide phenomenon that this game is so bad. Whatever they were trying to avoid, they were doing a great job of it. Because, like you said, the media coverage... I mean, they were just slamming this to bits. But one of the guys I found, he was a veteran player. He happened to also be a Christian man. And was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't tell anybody at my church that I play this game. And I can't tell any of my friends that I play with that I'm a Christian. Because they want to rip each other apart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I just thought was an interesting... Uh, that there were still Christians playing this game yes, because exactly. they were smart enough to know he that did, it is what you make of it. Exactly. And he did work at a Christian organization that told him he needed to move any role-playing or anything that was linked to that from where anyone could see it. Which I thought, really? Because it would was demon worship. Right. Symbolism of demon worship. They did some really poorly done studies that showed things linked from D&D to reality, including that if your character died, you would commit suicide. Wow. Yeah. But, I, I got... I, I got nothing. Like, I love how, that I made you speechless. How do you even wrap your brain around that? If you're saying emotionally you're so connected to this character, blah, blah, blah. No. That... That indicates a much more severe issue that maybe you as a parent are ignoring in your child. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and this this whole thing, obviously you and I are going to be real skewed on because whether there's like a tendril of something real in here, you and I are like, no, we like this game. We're not. Right. This is dumb. It We're didn't not cause this. me to start worshipping the devil. Mm -hmm. I don't feel 
so connected to my character that my heart will burst if she dies. You're purple tiefling. Right. You don't feel like a purple tiefling? You know, I briefly considered starting to eat other humans, <laughs> because that's a, what tieflings do, I assume. Yeah, of But I decided to fight against that nature in myself and really focus on the druidry part. <laughs> You should um, probably But if I was a bad tiefling, I totally would be eh? Yeah. No, can't even no. can't even keep going with what I It's just it's very do. hard to talk about. It's more hard than I thought it was gonna be to talk about <laughs> because it's so dumb. So this went on until the nineties. And then all of a sudden it just seems like it went weep, and went away. And it has never come up again. <laughs> I mean, Everybody there was like, oh, we were wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bye. I will say, it's 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 not gone. There are still... <laughs> There's a link to me. And bear with me. I don't know how to make this thought exactly come out of my mouth. <laughs> There's a group of people that I'm sure you can picture once I paint this for you. That sat around the lunch table in high school. With very few friends. They were besties with each other, and that was pretty much it. Some of them maybe didn't have the best hygiene practices. They weren't the most popular kids in the school. They um, they got picked on. They were a little nerdy. They were a little different. They were the kids that were drawn to this. And once they were a part of it, they made it a big deal because it felt like something they finally could own on. We were like that. Mm -hmm. We were those kids. We just weren't as, like, quirky. Nobody had introduced D&D to us. Otherwise, <laughs> right. I am 100% yeah. sure we would have been playing it. Absolutely. And I probably would have dressed as a tiefling to come to school every day. For sure. So, we would have been there. Mm -hmm. We would have been sat with... The, I mean, we do have fine hygiene. Hy hy <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> we do shower. <laughs> we shower. We're clean. We smell fresh. <laughs> but I would say that there is some correlation with a kid who is maybe neurodivergent and doesn't do friends so good or autism and can't go out and put themselves out and make friends who are perceived as very strange who gravitate to these kinds of games. Mm -hmm. And then they might also be the ones who have mental issues and are more likely to end up doing self-harm mm -hmm. or believing in the game so much that they become a part of it and that they can't separate those realities. But that would happen no matter what it was. Right. Sarah Jane Whether, books. Yeah. The Avatar movie when it came out. Not the last airbender, but the the Blue People Avatar movie. Mm -hmm. People got depressed after that movie because they were sure they would never see something that beautiful in real life. They wanted so badly to live in the world of Pandora that they got depressed and had to be treated because they couldn't. It was a very pretty movie. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely beautiful. I can't wait to go to Disney and see it. Right. They have that now at Animal Kingdom. So... And I'm not putting those kids down. Like I said, you and I were one of them. Well, Ryan was one of them. <laughs> and and we're also of the generation where in the late 90s, early 2000s, those same type of people became pegged as Columbine type people. Yes. Because the Columbine 
people wore trench trench coats and dark colors and they were outsiders and that really did stigmatize people like jessica and i and the people we were friends with in those school years and to be honest some people leaned into that because when you've spent so long 80s culture really glorified like think of the revenge of the nerds movies and stuff Mm -hmm. think of breakfast club which is truly one of my favorite movies but those it really glorified those cliques Mm -hmm. and And the separation yes and being mean to people and being preppy quote unquote Mm -hmm. you were popular and you picked on those other kids like you said being mean to people so we did not treat those kids sitting at that table playing magic cards the way we should have. Mm-hmm. So then some of those kids grabbed onto that very frightening imagery of being the kid in the trench coat who might come and hurt you someday. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's okay. That's horrifying, especially now as a mom, right. and I want to throw up thinking about it. But it would make sense that yes. people in that group, people that are treated poorly... Well, and we talked just a few minutes ago about why did these games come to be and yes. was it like escapism what was happening in the 70s that people yeah but definitely in the 90s what For were people sure. trying to escape the the world was i mean the 90s were wild if you think about it but the people that are going to be drawn to these type of games are the people that are looking for an escape. And, and not all of us. It's not like sure. I play D&D now because I need an es- I mean, I do need an escape from my life sometimes. <laughs> sure, sure. But it's, it's not something I'm, like, focusing on and needing. But if you were a child with a bad family home and, you know, you didn't have a safe space and you met a friend who introduced you to this game that you could create any world you needed... And you could create your own place to go and be in a, in a character that could be something you weren't able to be. You know, That's they could exactly. be confident. They could be a ladies' man. They could be very smart. And they could save the day. They could... Mm-hmm. You could be something different than the expected. You could, you could paint your school bully as the big evil bad guy and you could go beat the crap out of it mm-hmm. and those kids with trauma pasts or with neurospicy brains i love that phrase mm-hmm. to be honest with you those are the kids who were drawn to the game and who might later on experience difficult time disconnected mm-hmm. and and have trauma responses to life yes so they're going to make bad decisions. They are going to possibly self-harm and yes. and make decisions that aren't good for anybody. But that, like you said, they could have been that no matter what. If it yes. wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, it would have been Magic the Gathering or Pokemon, Pokemon or professional wrestling or something that they latched onto that made them feel like they belonged that maybe would I mean I'm sure helped some people to oh, have that connection sure. and to have that group but for some people you can't save everybody you can't there's going to be mental illness there are going to be struggles that we just don't understand yep and it's I think that it's unfortunate that the game suffered because that happened but I do love that thankfully it seems the stigma seems to have cleared up I mean now you look at if you look up D and D, the first thing to come up is a movie starring Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. He's a very pretty dude. He's not a nerd. 
Well, he might be a nerd. Right. Or you think of, like, Henry Cavill, who we all know I appreciate. <laughs> he plays Warhammer, which is a essentially a version of mm-hmm. D&D. And that's great. Well, it's and so when I started getting into D&D with you and mentioned it to some of my friends, some of my friends that have teenage children, their teenage children were already had a D&D group set up and they were playing every Sunday with their friends. And I yes. was like, teenagers are doing what these days? And she was like, yeah, they go every week. Like, they love it. And, and it is. It's so that, great. And and they're not, they're not the kids we were. They're no. not the nerdy kids that read books and hide in the library. They are in sports. They are relatively well-liked. They are in good schools and lots of, like, extracurricular stuff and supportive family. They're not depressed or wearing all black and, you know, spikes or whatever we were wearing back those days. I never wore all black, but... (laughs) I think I did a few times. Mm -hmm. But anyway. But they're just... It's a normal teenage game now. Yes, and I love that. I love that it doesn't have to have a stigma. Mm -hmm. I love that it's... There's so many... There's things out there now like Critical Role. And, uh, okay, so let me... I wrote a couple fun facts down, and I want to get to those before we run out of time. So, there are hundreds of movies and games out there now. Mm -hmm. Comics, cartoons, everything. There are some insanely... Maybe I just want to do this to plug these. (laughs) Insanely popular people out there playing. We've got Critical Role, Dimension 20. Uh, Two of my favorites are Dice Cream Sandwich dice cream sandwich. That's amazing. It's fabulous. And then my very favorite is Rob Hartley and the Viva the Dirtly guys. I literally started playing because of them. They inspired me to play. I <laughs> I kind of learned how to play from them, which was actually very disadvantage- disadvantageous because they're horrible at it. <laughs> um, but I did play through my own campaign, or a friend's campaign as a player. And then I decided I wanted to DM, and I wrote a one-shot that we played through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very basic, but it needed it was to be perfect for you guys for to us. learn. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we've been playing through The Wild Beyond the Witch Lake, which has been so much fun. Yes. Uh, it It's daunting to think of getting back into it, because there's so much going on. Right. But I miss it. I do, too. I miss it. Playing and I miss and I'm excited to get back into it and play all these new rules mm-hmm. and and we've learned a lot of how we want to play and who we want to look to to sort of like guide our teams and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Zach would be a great leader. He has to be reined in. <laughs> but I mean, he's great. welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I just thought it was fun. I guess the whole point of my topic was to talk a little on the history of D&D. Mm-hmm. I need to bring D&D up. It's yeah, a big deal a in our lives. Point. We yeah. have not talked nearly enough about it. No. <laughs> and it took us 17 episodes before talk we talked D&D. about du- Dungeons and Dragons. Ugh. But I did, um, it's not super creepy, because, you know, we don't really believe that it was dipped in demons. But... I mean, oh. if it was, these were really fun demons that are coming up with these things, and I'm just not sure about the demon narrative, if Very they're Gygax. the ones coming up with <laughs> games like this. Um, one of my favorite things that I learned, and I did know this already, but um, the longest campaign that has been played is still going, 
started in 1982. It what? has been running since then. It is these men, they're playing like a political style game. There's no res, so what they if their character dies, their character is dead. They've Ooh. gone through Oh, I can't remember the stats. It was like 120 characters and individual characters. Mm-hmm. And they have never missed more than a few weeks at a time. In 40 years. I can't imagine having a life right? where I can commit like that. I know. I know. And then all the, like, excuse me, all the rule changes and stuff. Yeah. And, like, is it the same core group of people? Or yeah. they had to keep adding people as people died? You it get to come like back with a new people. character if you die? If you die, you come back with a new character. Okay. So, I don't know. It's really interesting. These people get old and they're, like, training their kids to play because someday they're going to die and they're going to have to keep this game going. Can you imagine all their notes about their game? Oh, it's crazy. Write a whole book just based on all the adventures. I thought of a book just based on my last campaign that I would love to write. Mm It would be so fun. There are books. Um, One of my most favorite characters is... um, a drow elf, which is a dark elf named Drist, who goes on these super amazing adventures. Ari Salvatore wrote it in the 80s, and he's one of the most popular characters in all of D&D. That's you awesome. And I've heard that name before. I have a crush on him. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why I've slim. heard the name before. <laughs> he's tall, slim, and has long hair. And he has you a You do panther. have a type. Absolutely. <laughs> So anyway, I went on a really long time. Plus, our intro was wildly long. (laughs) That's okay, because my topic is pretty short and easy. All right. We don't even really have to transition here. And now for something completely different. I'm talking about plants again. (laughs) And honestly, it's because I feel like I have not talked about (laughs) plants in a while. Um, And... I feel like the beginning of our podcast, we focused a lot on houseplants, and then I was like, here's two things about plants, and then I'm never going to talk about them again. I, no, not and, me. And. Not me. I didn't kill. No. Anything. But we need to go over some plant tips to help Jessica when I bring her a new baby spider plant. <laughs> so Aragog met his unfortunate end by way of my cat. Which is not uncommon. That is a very common way for especially spider plants to die. That's so weird. So talking about plants, a big thing, you know, I went over ADHD and houseplants. I talked about the houseplant fad and how COVID got us all into houseplants and how that might actually have some negative effects. This episode, I just wanted to talk about making it easy to have plants. Ooh, perfect. Because I feel like I do get a lot of questions, or a lot of surprise, that I am so successful with the plants I have. And there are two things about that. One, I kill just as many plants as I keep alive sometimes. And two, I have some very specific things that I do and follow in order to have 50 plus plants and not be devastated every time someone dies. Something dies. (laughs) I mean, I do give them names sometimes, so. And this is the worst part, and something I actually did not do before I got into houseplants, is you do want to do a little bit of research, not only on what plants you should get, because I'm going to talk about, like, what are some of the easier plants, but even 
number one, if it's worth it for you, if you have the space in your house, if you have the light in your house, um, the water, sometimes plants are sensitive to different types of water, so if you have bad water, seriously, some house plants don't like regular water. You have to get special water for them. It has, they need a specific pH soil. They need, uh, you know, they can only get this many hours of light, or it has to be this bright, or it has to be, you know, they can't be in a draft. They can't get too cold. They can't get too hot. If you're not going to spend the time to research each plant before you get it, at least tell yourself that you're not going to be disappointed if you if it sure. dies within the first couple weeks and sure. and when you're starting out don't spend a lot of money on these things we've already talked about how easy it is to get free to cheap plants you know you start with your friends you start with your family you go to your local plants shop and look at her five dollar rack you don't buy her fifty dollar plant when you're starting you buy ten of her five dollar plants and see what sticks because I'll go through the list of the easy to grow plants when I get towards the end here and then I will tell you which ones I actually found to be easy and which ones I have killed since starting my plant obsession three years ago. Plants obviously need light. They pref you're going to get the most light, at least where we live, you're going to get the most light in like southern facing windows, west facing windows, North and east are going to be a little bit harder just because of the direction that the sun goes through the day. A majority of plants need quite a bit of light throughout the day. I have read recently that fluorescent lights in office buildings will somehow give huh. your plants the right light. There are a lot of plants that will thrive and survive in office light. You also want to decide maybe what types of plants you're looking for or what you're looking to get out of your plants. Some people are looking for more um, helpful plants, maybe herbs that they can use while they're cooking or, you know, sage for if they are people that kind of sage the air, cleaning plants, uh, food, you know, do you want to just grow vegetables and fruit and those type of things that can feed your family or are you doing it for more of a mental health thing? So you're doing it because you think pretty. plants are pretty and it brings you joy and um, in my instance, it gives me a lot of dopamine through the week. For others, it's just not worth it. You, maybe you don't have the windows for it, or you don't have the space, or your cat won't leave them alone, or you're more worried about your toddler trying to eat all of them. If that is the case, don't. I very much um, live in a, the plant must be strong enough to survive mentality in my house. I will, at this point, buy plants that may be difficult or maybe a little bit harder <laughs> and require different care, just as kind of maybe a challenge for me, or to add some different color or add some different things. But if it ever came to a point where taking care of these plants felt like a chore or actually like brought my mental health down, I would have no problem getting rid of 75% of them. So don't get stuck in this world of having another thing you have to take care of and feeling like you have to do it well and being embarrassed if it doesn't work out. Don't get stuck in that. Do not let houseplants become trauma for They're you. They're supposed to be or, joy. Yes, let them bring you joy or, or benefits to your life or your health. 
do not get sucked into a this is like an animal I have to keep alive situation. But do keep your animals alive. Please. Or give them to somebody that can. <laughs> so once you decide that plants are worth it for you, my first step for anybody new starting out would again not be running out and buying all your plants. So now that you've thought about it, maybe do some research on what plants would be best for you. But start with what tools and routines you will need, especially if you have ADHD or some other neuro spiciness that might interfere with this. I started with an app. I still use the app. It's called Planta. It's fine. I paid whatever the lifetime membership was for it. It gives me a lot of information about my different plants. It tells me, you know, I can put in a plant. It'll tell me if it likes full sun. It'll tell me how much water it likes. It'll give me hints on its care if it likes humidity. Do not use those apps for your plant care. Those apps will tell you that you just set it and forget it, and the app will tell you when your plant needs to be watered or when it needs to be fertilized or when it needs to be repotted. I don't know why my brain didn't realize this at first, but it turns out those apps don't actually know anything about your particular plant. You do have to actually touch the plant, <laughs> test the soil to see if it's wet. You should not just assume this app knows and listen to it every time it tells you to water it. Because what will happen is you will kill a lot of plants because you have overwatered them because you were not paying attention to how wet the soil actually was. You were just going by what a random set of rules on an app tells you. Well, what I do now is I keep a notebook and I have three pages for three pages for watering and three pages for um, sun, sunlight. And when I get a plant, I look it up and I, so this one needs, it likes to be moist. So that goes on the moist page. If it likes to get dry in between watering, then it goes on the next page. If it's somewhere in the middle, it goes on the third page. And then I do the same thing for sun. So full sun, part sun, and shade. There are not very many plants on that shade page. Hostas. But you don't <laughs> usually right. grow those. <laughs> so that's why I write everything down. Because I also like to move my plants around a lot. Sure. And I have killed plants because I forgot that they needed full sun. And I put them on a bookshelf and they don't get enough sun there. My Mizu plant, which is a beautiful, beautiful plant that my husband bought for me on my birthday a few years ago. Zach hadn't done research and I didn't do any research. He wanted it for our bedroom. And so I put it right up there. And unfortunately, the Mizu, it takes a while to show that it's sad because it starts like in the roots and that, but you don't see it in the leaves until way later. And I still don't know how I saved this plant, but it was that sensitive to the amount of sunlight I got that by the time I realized that it, it was almost gone. And now I that is a picture I will post with this episode. She is beautiful and thriving and I have many cuttings off her and she is my second pride and joy next to my pothos. So start with that research. Start with some sort of system to keep track of all your plants and keep track of what they like. You know, put it if you're going to fertilize your plants every 6 months Put it in your calendar that you fertilized your plants on this day. Research what type of fertilizer you want. There's a lot of different options, whether you want to be more like miracle Grow style or more natural. The one thing I will warn you against with miracle Grow soil, so I lost a majority of my plants a couple years ago, or nearly lost, and it was because I went through the issue with the app where I turned out I was overwatering everything. 
And then while searching for a solution to that, one of my ADHD groups recommended this miracle Grow Moisture Control Soil. And the idea of it is it's supposed to be magical in that it <laughs> either holds water if you're not watering enough, or it will... It, it will act it'll, as like an aeration soil Yeah, if you it'll do. get rid of the water if it needs to. What it did for my plants is it got around their roots and it turned into a mud and it just held on and it basically suffocated all the roots of many of my plants. I, Holy cow. I nearly lost my spider at that point. Um, I lost two flamingo plants, anthuriums. I was able to save just barely tiny little cuttings off them. My peace lilies, everything. So what I have now is this weird mix of very good soil that I bought from my local plant shop that I mix with a couple other things depending on the type of plant and if it needs um, more drainable soil or not. Oh, and I <laughs> did a lot of research about growing plants in water by itself. Yeah. So there are plants that actually are very successful if you grow them just in water. I found my peace lily. That's the only way I was able to save her after I lost most of her is I was able to save one little root ball that hadn't rotted itself away and I put it in a vase of water and it is gorgeous now. My flamingo plants, the only way I saved them was throwing them in water and just, I mean, tiny little cuttings and they grew from nothing. So start with your research, give yourself permission to fail, give yourself permission to let, to understand that some of these plants will not survive no matter what you do unless you are suddenly very good at all kinds of crazy science stuff that I'm not good at. <laughs> and finishing up the different types of plants that really people consider to be the easiest. Um, starting with the two I gave you. So a snake plant and a spider plant are probably the easiest. The snake plants because you pretty much can't kill them. Uh, you can overwater them. You can overlove them. But though snake plants are one of the only plants that actually will live in shade. They don't need a lot of light. They won't live well. Um, they will get very skinny instead of like the thick um, or the wide thin leaves. They'll get very skinny curled in leaves that That's they grow. That's what my baby looks like. Do I need to move him to more sun? You don't have to, but you could. Hmm. I just, so I have one plant, I have one snake plant at home that is literally, I don't know, three feet tall at this point and very skinny. That one kind of lives in a shadier north window, but I just moved one of those babies into like one of my west facing windows and they're the same plant. They came they're the they came from each other and it is a completely different looking leaf just because it's getting so much sunlight. Oh, wow. It's also growing a lot faster and putting out more babies mm. living in the sunlight. Whereas the one that lives in the shade just keeps getting taller and taller and skinnier and skinnier. So which is interesting to me because they are literally the same plant. That like is they're wild. clones of each other. But they grow differently depending on where you put them. Hmm. So, and those are good. So that's a good apartment plant. That's a good plant that doesn't need a lot of care. So if you're very busy, you literally only have to water those like once a month. Maybe a little bit more if you don't have air conditioning and it gets hot in your house during the summer. And maybe a little less in the winter when you have 
um, when everything's closed up. Unless you have, like, unless it's sitting over a heat vent. But some people will go six to eight weeks without watering. Wow. They'll just forget about them. Anytime you see a plant group and somebody pops on and is like, what's wrong with my snake plant? Everybody's like, oh, honey, just ignore her. Like, you must have paid too much attention to her. Just ignore her for six weeks and she'll be fine. And that has been my experience. I can ignore them, I can forget about them, and they never die. Except for the one that I nearly drowned or rotted away with the miracle Grow soil. The other one is called a ZZ plant. This is the only other plant I found that can live in low light. Again, it does not thrive. It gets very leggy, so you get lots of length without a lot of leaves, is what I mean when I say leggy, like your cactus that tried to run away. <laughs> no, time Ryan's out. cactus Ryan, thank that you. tried to run away. I never away. wanted the cactus, <laughs> and he never replanted the cactus. <laughs> Stayed in a stupid, cheap, right? Stupid, cheap plastic uh, <laughs> on a counter that got no light. <laughs> it's the only plant the cat couldn't eat because she got jabbed. Right. Uh. <laughs> um, ZZ plants. I think they're super cool. They've got tiny little leaves. They grow out really tall. Uh, they grow okay in light, in low light. They grow better in more light. They also are ones that you, if it's even a little bit above dry, I just leave it. I don't water it at all until it's like dry dry then after that I think these lists get crazy well no I will say my pothos is a good beginner plant and is one I would recommend if it's already started okay I have not figured out how to very successfully propagate a pothos but if you can get a pothos going my golden pothos is my actual pride and joy plant I got it at Aldi Okay, Sometime, sure. I think during COVID maybe, and it's kind of viney. It started out in a in a planter and it was viney. Now it sits at one corner of my window and, and she her vines cover that whole window at that point. I hung a like an old screen door frame. It's just a wooden frame, and it looks like windows. And it she has four or five vines that come off her and and are strung through this window frame, door frame thing, across my whole window, back. And she's, not only does she put out new leaves on every single vine every single week, but now she, I've started to actually propagate. They, something I had to learn with my pothos, and am still learning, is they actually thrive better if you do prop, if you do chop them a little, chop and prop, mm, that's what they okay. call it. So you do actually want to chop the end of the vine at some point and take those cuttings and try to propagate them and grow new plants because when you do that they put out new vines elsewhere so if you cut the end of one vine it'll start vining out a different way so i went from four okay looking vines on this plant and i cut them all recently a couple months ago now not only do all four of those vines have new vines coming off them but some of the vines started vining out in places closer to the plant. So a vine that's just been one vine for three years now has another vine shooting off the side of it. And I have four more vines coming out from the soil, from the pot. Wow. So she is very happy right now. For me, the pothos has been super easy, a good beginner plant. After and now she- you've like brought her to mid-level. Yes. She's at mid-tier yeah. now. Oh, yeah. So there, believe it or not, there are multiple ways to water your plants. I've seen on TikTok, it's very fascinating. They do like the, um, 
the sped up camera trick mm -hmm. where they set the plant into a bowl, a clear bowl or something that's full of water, and they say, oh, she was so thirsty today, and it sucks up sucks a bunch up. of water. Yes. And, and that, I have found for me, they call that bottom watering. Okay. And I have found that to be the best way for me to water a lot of my plants. I take time every Friday to take care of my plants. And I have a tub that I sit out for them and I fill it with water and I test, you know, I check with my moisture meter and then whoever is movable, because once they get so big they're not movable, bottom watering gets a little harder. I move them into a tub and they spend some time sitting on my kitchen table in this plastic tub and getting watered that way. It's much harder to overwater if you're doing it that way, unless you literally leave them sitting there for days and they don't soak up all the water because they will stop drinking eventually. They, they'll stop soaking up the water and get rid of what they don't need. If obviously the bigger ones, you probably have to do a normal watering with. Pour, you know, you pour it over. If you have a super big one that maybe you're afraid of overwatering, you if you get a tray that you can keep underneath it at all times, you can right. still pour the water into that tray that it sits in. They just do you, have you ever had an experience with the pots that water automatically? Yes. Oh, okay. I have a few. Um, you have to be careful not to put it, put a plant that doesn't like moisture right in there. Um, and you still have to be careful. My biggest problem, I almost killed a cactus this way because I have a really cute cactus and um, it's actually a planter that Zach printed, 3D printed for oh, me. Oh, cool. And it fits inside a coffee cup. And it has a little hole so you can pour the water into the coffee cup and then the plant will drink it from the bottom. If you're not careful with those and you leave the water in there and you don't check on the plant to make sure that they've gotten their drink and they're not just sitting there, that water will sit and it can kill your plant because it's just sitting in water for days. So you have to be kind of careful with those ones, but they work really well for my snake plant. They work really well for plants that I can't move a lot plants that really like to stay moist or have a lot of moisture, I use them for those and they're great. And you can 3D print them, which yeah. is amazing. The other way to water, and this is what I do for my orchid, is they call it like a bath. So I will, she's in a, you know, a planter and I will fill that whole planter with water until it's like swimming in it basically. And I leave it there for 10-15 minutes and then I put her somewhere where she can drain really well and get all that water out of her and I do that maybe once every week once every couple weeks depending on what she looks like and that has been the best way for my orchid that I found so far I've also recently discovered um, clear nursery pots oh yeah so you can actually yeah, yeah. see the roots and see what's going on in the soil versus all the like green and black nursery pots so I put most of my smaller plants in a clear plastic nursery pot and then I set that in like a decorative ceramic pot. So I can just pull the clear the plant out in the clear nursery plant pot, see how the roots are doing, test if it needs to be watered, and then I can just place that in the in the water for underwatering versus pouring it on top or whatever. That has definitely helped me stop overloving my plants or overwatering my plants. And then so these last plants I'm going to talk to you about are on the list of easy to care for plants, and I'm going to tell you which ones are wrong. <laughs> Any ivy that you see, or 
is probably really easy to take care of. It also tends to be a little invasive and they are very susceptible to bugs. I feel the same way about ferns. Oh, okay. They get spider mites really easily. Uh, They're also super finicky on how wet or dry they are. I thought they were water babies. Like, they I, don't... Yeah. I kill them all the time. And then they get spider mites. So, I think ferns are ridiculous. I... Jade or succulents are always listed as easy to care for plants. Unless you are literally one of those people that gets a plant to forget about it, you will probably kill your jade plant and your succulents to begin with because you bought a plant because you want to care for a plant and succulents do not want you to care for them they want you to ignore them leave them alone yes and my jade plant was the same way peace lilies are like the the funeral flower they are the worst plant to grow they are the worst plant to take care of i can keep them alive i can never get them to bloom again and if you go one hour after they think they need water they will literally wilt <laughs> and then when you water them you can watch them they will go back to normal i wonder if a lot of people have thrown pieces out thinking oh this this I, lady is i dead. must have killed it nope she's just being dramatic i um, remember you saying that in episode maybe even <laughs> one <laughs> and i mean philodendrons is a really basic general term for a whole bunch of different plants some of them are fine, some of them aren't. Your monsteras are going to be a philodendron, and that's like a wanted plant right now. It's one of those fad plants. They're usually okay. If um, the pink princess one that I talked about, that would have been a philodendron. They're fine. They're like trees. They're a little bit harder to kill, but they also grow really slow. You don't see a lot come out of them, so... If you're looking for dopamine bursts and you're looking for a plant that's going to reward you by showing you how successful and happy it is, it they're just not my favorite. You've loved me. And then I will love you back. Cactuses can be easy. They can also be awful because, again, they really only need to be watered, like, once in a while. And they and, need sun. Yep. And they need, they do or like they a lot of weird sun. little nubbies out of their head that <laughs> grow three feet tall. Yes. Yep. So... Yeah, those are, I would recommend, if you're going to start, you are gonna you should start with, oh, and arrowhead plants, obviously. Sure. They must be the easiest thing ever because I have 30 of them, <laughs> I know, so start with those. And those ones, it's really easy to get propagations off those. They're, they're pushing out babies all the time. So that's my beginner's info for becoming a plant hoarder. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure I'll ever be able to be a plant hoarder, but maybe I'll try. You can come visit Orchids. Mine. I desperately want to come organize yours. Yes. Organize them. Organize. <laughs> File them. them. <laughs> yes. So we're going to keep Snape and new Aragog inside and happy and healthy and away from the cat. <laughs> I want to maybe find like a bird cage or something to put Ooh. Snape in because I think that'd look cool. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, your plants always make me happy because they make you so happy. Yes. So I think it's a win. It is. The end. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're both that's, so tired. That's, yeah. We've been snacking all mm -hmm. this whole time. Hopefully you haven't heard us. <laughs> Um, or you'll love us anyway. Yeah, yeah. There was an episode recently, I think our last episode, where I had to get up 
in the middle and catch a stink bug in a jar and remove it. It's we got to watch the kids yeah. do somersaults on a bounce house. Oh my gosh. And apparently jump. my kid broke herself. Yeah. She, she bent her tummy. really well though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you were also confused by what that meant. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. But she's fine now. Yeah, so she good. went right back out there. <laughs> so, yeah, this was the Dungeons and Dopamine podcast. You can listen to us anywhere you stream podcasts, as well as on YouTube. We request that you subscribe wherever you're listening. Like and subscribe. Yeah. You can also find us on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, even Reddit. You can reach out to us via any of those social medias as well as dungeonsdopamine at yahoo.com and Dungeons and Dopamine is edited and published by Argyle Pigeon Productions thank Thank you you. we We love love you you. bye bye